thank you all for coming. This is unbelievable to, to be here uh, with you. At this stage, we've been so sort of in that, in that focused cave of the editing room and working so, so hard with a very small group of people. And you're aware, of course, what Star Wars means to so many outside of those, those rooms. But to come here and to have this kind of warm reception and to be physically, viscerally reminded of what it means uh, is the most amazing and exciting shot in the arm. And like Kathy said, uh, we cannot wait for you to see uh, what we're cooking up. I think that what's also fascinating is it's over 40 years. So the context that George was working within, it's 40 years later. And to keep this relevant and meaningful to the characters and to the people experiencing this story, it has to feel like it's of its time. And I think that what we've done is we've taken to heart everything that inspired George. And then I think the inspiration that JJ's brought to this has given it even more depth. Hi guys. It's good to be back. On this adventure, I think Finn has just found his, his, his footing and his identity within the resistance. Um, I think the last two movies, Finn was, uh, couldn't decide where he belonged. And in this film, he's a full-fledged uh, resistance sexy young man. The, the original group are going on like this epic, epic adventure together. And I'm like so excited about where Jana crosses paths with them. Has Ray read the books. It's been a little while, so she's getting, I guess she's getting through them. Kelly Marie Tran. By any chance, by any stretch of the imagination, is there anything else you would like to uh, share with the audience? Who here wants to see a teaser trailer? Episode number 167 of Blast Points is Jason. And it's Gabe. And we're still alive. <laughs> yeah. Just barely. Barely alive. Barely breathing. It feels it feels good to be home, but it feels a little weird. Um, it feels weird to not be listening. There's no Michael Buble playing in the background tonight. <laughs> Maybe we can superimpose some Buble 
into playing softly into the background of all of our episodes because we're it, it just it fit weirdly somehow and I, I like to when we were recording from the Wintrust Arena I forgot the the DJ Elliot hits in the back where he was just cranking out <laughs> grooves in the heart right after the Mandalorian uh, in celebration I think right yeah I think part of my part of my soul is still floating around at McCormick Place it's I don't know if I'll ever get it back some someday someone will find it. And will bring us back from the from the dead to talk to them about Star Wars until they wish we would just go away. <laughs> it's it's hard acclimating back to normal society after celebration. It's like it's like you're a caveman frozen in ice. You're dethawed in the 21st century and have to learn how to fit in again. Yeah, that was the whole thing. Was crazy with me is that it did feel like. It was five days this time, but it literally felt like maybe it was at most two days and I just took a bunch of naps. <laughs> like coming back, what, uh, Monday night, like waking up Tuesday, it felt like I'd only been gone a day or two and it was like it had been almost a week. <laughs> so time really did slow down. Yeah. When I got home Monday night, I was like walking around my house and I was like, how is this possible that I'm here? And earlier today, I was at Star Wars Celebration. <laughs> doesn't seem right oh it's like when you're having a really good dream and then you wake up and you keep closing your eyes trying to go back to the dream but you're just (laughs) you're just stuck awake now i just gotta go on with my normal day go have some coffee and go to work look at the photos on your phone and say well that's me in that picture so it must have really happened well you have to go back in time to to fix whatever happened so celebration doesn't go away (laughs) Just keep reliving it, going in disguise so your your past self doesn't recognize you and you don't create a paradox and the whole universe explodes or something. Maybe that was us in disguise as the, Thal- the Thalia Siren. Maybe, right. And Well, and it was us in disguise getting blown away by the blizzard. <laughs> we, were, we were trying to warn us. I hope that guy's okay. I hope so, too. I hope he didn't end up in the river. We were pretty close. We were pretty close to the river, so... I didn't see anything on the news about that, though, so I, I like to think he made it home. Well, Celebration Chicago is in the past now, and my feet are in way better shape than Orlando. Uh, I wasn't as tired as I was after Orlando. I mean, I was pretty exhausted for like the first couple nights afterwards, but I, I feel like my recovery period's been pretty okay. I, mean, I say that I feel, I, I've read a lot of people online that have gotten incredibly sick afterwards, but I don't know. I've been I've been okay after this one. I remember after Orlando, I was just dead for the longest time. Yeah, I feel the same. Like I got this one wasn't so hard, but I think it probably some of it is the fact that they did the lottery and we didn't <laughs> sleep on a concrete floor for you know for forty five minutes for two nights and then just power through the rest of the week because we did get a good amount. We probably got a good three to four hours every night on on a bed, no less. But I feel like overall, too, like, I, I, I don't know, it's we're, we're still just about a week out or days out. It's too hard to say what the overall thing from this from Celebration Chicago is going to be. But I feel like right now the biggest thing is that it completely reset the perception of Star Wars fans out there where I feel like even going into Chicago, there were articles of like, what's going to happen with the toxic fan base and you know everyone's going to be arguing all the time and there's going to be a food fight and you know like 
But, I, you know, none of that. It was the exact opposite. It was exactly what celebration has always been and should be. Just an outpouring of absolutely the most insane and passionate Star Wars love. Just broadca- broadcasted loud and clear to the rest of the world. Yeah, t- totally. Because it definitely, there was people loving everything about Star Wars. And I think, yeah, accepting everything. And it was definitely pretty wild like how much prequel love there was or at least prequel acknowledgement with all the dealers selling phantom menace stuff everybody was jar jar fever because ahmed best was there everyone was on their ahmed best behavior i guess (laughs) (laughs) so hopefully they just have him come back every time now because yeah it was i didn't i don't think i ever heard anyone really arguing about anything and there weren't people running around yelling about the last jedi or and just the fact that there was what thousands of people at a Phantom Menace 20th anniversary panel. Like just, that was amazing that that even existed and it wasn't in like the tiny fan stage or something, right? It was in the big arena. You walked around the floor. There were so many like Kira's and young Han Solo's and there were Enfys Ness. And if I woke up from a coma and missed the release of Solo and all the stuff afterwards and went to Celebration and somebody asked me, was Solo the most successful, one of the most successful movies of all time? I'd be like, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there were so many Solo people. Well, and that's the thing. It's a, it, was, it was a very successful movie. <laughs> it's, no one wants to admit it. But yeah, there were tons of Kira's and... Well, and then even like with Rogue One, I can't believe how many Krennics there were. Like Krennic is like the hot cosplay person now. I saw so many Krennics. You saw every every variety of Krennics. You saw big Krennics. You saw little Krennics. You saw Krennics with beards. You saw bald Krennics. You saw old Krennics. Every facet of Star Wars fandom, at least one person was dressed as a Krennic. It's so many old Lukes, so many Praetorian guards caretakers somehow we missed the rumor was there was at least two master code breakers i know i don't know how how we managed to miss all the master code breakers yeah there were at least two maybe three there was at least one lovey we missed that we missed all the sindels didn't we yeah i think they were be they, they were keeping all those away from us they're like don't we'll give those guys the group dressed as willow people We'll give them the THX one one three eight cop, but like I think they were like for the the safety of the people dressed as Master Codebreaker and Sindel, keep them away from Blast Point. This is true because it would have took them so long to wipe all of our exploded guts off of all the <laughs> all the merchandise and uh, other people's costumes. <laughs> it's like the they had the unreleased uh, making of Solo book, and it would have got our slime all over it. So even in the vendors, it's crazy how much. Ewok movie stuff for some reason there was and like we're sitting at the Mandalorian panel and they're bringing up the Ewok movies and the first time ever there was any panel at all related to anything holiday special there was way more holiday special cosplay than ever before there was something special in the air over those five days in Chicago it was some bizarre Star Wars vein that had never been tapped before was suddenly flowing again in Chicago yeah, well, maybe it's, yeah, it's like we're five, are we five movies into to the Disney era now? Well, I think including episode nine, yes. Yeah, so we're, we're almost five in. So I, I think maybe now everyone's comfortable in that Star Wars is here to stay again. And now it's time to 
bring it all back out because we're not nervous. Like, oh, I don't want to get too excited if, if these movies aren't going to keep happening. If this trend continues in Anaheim next year, we're going to have a panel about the Ewoks cartoon. There's going to we're, there's going to be people playing Drop the Sack. There's going to be disappearing soap. We're going to see somebody dress, walking around dressed as Mungo Baobab. I, I believe it. Manjupa is going to be in full effect <laughs> in Anaheim. I'm calling it right now. It's the only thing. It's the only place left to go. Stepping softly in a stage zone. No weapon in my hand. The thing I think about all the time is the responsibility we have. And we have it with all of you, and it's something that we talk about every minute that we're involved in making these movies. And this one in particular, we've immersed ourselves in everything George created, talked about it endlessly, and we're so excited because I think what you're going to end up seeing, you're going to be so happy with. We are incredibly excited to show it. So I know in our live from Celebration episode, we were talking about our reaction to the Rise of Skywalker teaser, which it still feels crazy even saying that, that we actually have, we went so long with no title weird to think we have a title now it's impressive that they were able to keep it a secret that long they were keeping a lot of things secret but it's also frustrating because man we thought force awakens was a tight ship and then we're like oh that's just jj and then with last jedi we're like oh ryan doesn't care we'll we'll know all the secrets and there were very little secrets and then now jj's back and he just wants to prove he's the king of keeping secrets the secret master because they even went so far as to not even try to acknowledge some of the images previous to Celebration that were leaked of things, of other things that weren't in any of the stuff they talked about at Celebration. Like, they're still pretending like that stuff didn't even happen. No, that and that kills me because it's like that crazy leaked concept poster, whatever it was, like blew our minds and we were all staring at things in corners and stuff. And then the... This teaser trailer comes out, and that blows our minds, gets us thinking about some completely different things. But then you go back, and you're like, wait, what about all that other stuff in that teaser with that poster? We're not even talking about that stuff. <laughs> they're like trying to, they're trying to distract us by that stuff by showing us other, even more stuff instead of just officially showing the stuff that they were, we unofficially saw. And nobody knows anything about anything. We're just seeing random things. Well, I think it's funny, too, that I can't remember if we had already talked about this, that they showed all those still photos during the panel that on their own would be blowing minds and giving you two weeks of things to talk about. And then the trailer was so crazy. We've kind of all forgotten about those pictures (laughs) because we're too busy talking about the trailer. Case in point, Claude. We have barely been able to talk about Claude. Who some people were convinced was no, there's no way that that's going to be in episode nine when the poster leaked. Oh, that's got to be fake. In the panel, 
they spent a good amount of time telling us about Claude. Um, there's a, a, a fun uh, character who just appears, um, <laughs> whose name is Claude with a K, uh, K-L-A-U-D, uh, and he is a, a friend of the Resistance and someone who actually, uh, it turns out, Chewie brought into the... There's Greg Rumberg. Uh, Wexley. But there's, there are so many. I, there were, when, when we did episode seven, I, I felt like um, it had been, there was no way to top what had been created uh, in terms of, of creatures. When you see this movie, you'll see that, that Neil and the whole creature team did it. Uh, it's an incredible thing what they've made, what they built, and the actors who performed them and, and puppeteered them. It was remarkable. And Claude with a K. Uh, K-L-A-U-D. Uh, and he is a, a friend of the resistance. <laughs> like Ch- Chewbacca recruits him into the resistance or something insane. And it's like, what? What, what are you, what's going on here? What are you, what are you doing? Yeah, and then the, the one picture they released of just him talking to Snap Wexley, it's like, that's a big, giant, goofy caterpillar person. It's, it's so beautiful. Yeah, and he's just standing there in, a, in the woods talking to a X-wing pilot, and <laughs> maybe he flies a ship. <laughs> what is what is Claude? What's his voice gonna be like? Like, hey everybody, I'm here to help. <laughs> just tell me what to do. Happy to lend a hand. And is there more? Maybe he's got a whole family with him. Yeah, little Claude, Claudette, Claude Junior. Grandpa Claude, Grandma Claude. Maybe when when uh, Kathleen Kennedy was talking about how this is the end of the Skywalker saga, but but she'd definitely like to see more things in the future with the characters from the sequel trilogy. I think she's specifically talking about Claude. I'd say 100%. He's going to get his own trilogy. Disney Plus show. Maybe that's Ryan Johnson's trilogy. It's the Claude saga. Maybe Ryan Johnson and the Game of Thrones guys are teaming up to do six movies about Claude. They better be. What else can you possibly do? How else are you going to bring Star Wars to the future? Waiting with anticipation to learn more about Claude. Maybe I hope they bring back the tone poems or whatever. So there's like one for Ray, one for Naomi Aki's character, one for Claude. <laughs> I want to help people. That's all. Helping's good to do. Sometimes people need help. These arms were made for helping. I'm Claude. Well, and then, you know, not as exciting, but there was like the dirtiest Kylo Ren picture you've ever seen with him just covered in filth. Yeah, that was during the panel. Yeah, they showed that picture of Kylo Ren. He's like sitting in an, a Thai cockpit thing. And yeah, looks like he just went out and rubbed mud on his face. Exfoliates the skin, keeps it fresh. A good chunk of the movie, they do their their little force link things, and he just goes into his beauty routine of what he does to keep his skin so so soft, and how he washes his hair. And the girl's calling me. I've got to go to the bathroom real quick. It's rubbing mud on his face. <laughs> oh, and there was a great picture of uh, Naomi Aki's character, Jana. We still don't know anything about what she's doing, where she's from, or what that planet is. The grassy planet. It seems like a lot of things happen on that grassy planet, though. Is the grassy planet could be the same place where wherever the the Death Star is? It kind of looks like. Oh, that could be. Yeah, because yeah, I, it's like it's enough just seeing the new character. But yeah, I didn't even think about that. That the if you look at the background, it's 
the grassy planet, which goes way back to that first tweet from the... Yeah, Victoria Mahoney, second unit director. Yeah, she, like, right when filming began, posted that picture of uh, of wheat. And we all started freaking out, thinking maybe it was Dantooine or something. Well, actually, I guess it still could be. The trailer overall has still just been freaking me out. Like, I just still can't believe it's real. I don't It's... It may, maybe it's just right now because it's the star of the moment, but it may go down in history as one of the great Star Wars trailers, teasers, whatever of all time, because it's hits all the right buttons. Yeah. Well, I think if anything, at least that opening sequence, the fact that it kind of actually plays out like a sequence in the film, maybe elevates it above some of the other trailers. And not until she does the backflip does it kind of turn into a regular trailer. Is there another trailer that even does that? Where you kind of get a section of a scene playing out? Nothing I can think of. I don't know if anyone listening is thinking of one that we're missing, but I can't can't think of one. It's like the most I can think of is just them playing the Obi-Wan talking about... For over a thousand generations, the Jedis are the guardians of peace and justice. Yeah, and Revenge of the Sith teaser, yeah. And that's not quite the same because it's, it's older footage. But man, before we get too much into the trailer, there's still more of the photos. There was the before the panel video that showed the the Tantive Four or another blockade runner type ship. So we saw that. There was the picture of the Falcon in the jungle with everybody standing outside. Yeah, which JJ said was at the very beginning of the movie. And then yeah, just I mean, almost just looking in the background of the other stuff. I mean, Lando's obviously in the Falcon, but then there's a picture of Finn showing off his outfit. He looks like he's maybe in that jungle from the beginning scene. But then when they show Poe, he looks like he's on in Jordan with all those, uh, the weird aliens in the robes. Dangerous, dangerous photos. And then the real mystery from the photos is Ray training in the forest with a piece of wood staff. Right. Yeah. I got it. I almost forgot about that. And especially we saw this picture before we saw the trailer and, we didn't even know if or when she got the lightsaber back at all. So, well, yeah, what is, she, is she training in the jungle with Force Ghost Luke? The the Luke Skywalker narration at the beginning has been really tripping me out. There's every single word he says. And if I know there are some people that have wondered, oh, is it Luke actually talking to Ray or is it Luke talking to Ben Solo? And I maybe it could go either way, but I don't know. My, my heart tells me he's talking to Ray. We've passed on all we know. A thousand generations live in you now. But this is your fight. For as much as we thought that might be the case in Last Jedi, since it it all kind of turned out to not, to, it, it was what it was, and I kind of don't see that changing that this stuff is all mysterious and new enough and there's enough to speculate on that I don't think they need to try to go overboard with faking you out. Like just because, okay, Luke's talking to Ray. That's enough on its own. It doesn't need to be a fake out. I feel like the whole misdirection thing is way overdone and it's too, I, uh, it's, it's reeks of icky internet stuff and weird youtube videos it's all in this direction don't believe anything they tell you you know like yeah, it's a trick 
No, I th- yeah, Luke's probably talking to Ray with the th- you know thousands of generations living you now, and I don't know, man. I just keep thinking about that stuff and giving me the chills, freaking me out. At the beginning of the Last Jedi, it was Luke, and at the end of the Last Jedi, it's Ray, and now going into Rise of the Skywalker, Ray's the Last Jedi. So she's carrying the previous movie into the <laughs> into the next movie, and I, I just keep thinking about the end when he says but this is your fight. And when we watch that preview for the first time, you think, okay, well, he's talking about Kylo Ren, Ben Solo, because then here we see what we probably believe is Kylo Ren, Ben Solo, speeding towards Rey and his crazy TIE fighter thing. And what we'll get into it more later, if Palpatine is still out there, and if Luke knew in The Last Jedi that Palpatine was still out there, it's like, number one, that would make sense. And, and and we can explore on that in a sec. But number two, if he's saying this is your fight, is he referring to Ben Solo or is he referring to the ultimate evil, Palpatine, Darth Sidious? I would think it's Palpatine. Or it's it's the whatever the, manis, whatever the current manifestation of ultimate evil is, if it's the same Palpatine or some other <laughs> type of thing taking the form of Palpatine, whatever it is, right? This is the end one. This has to be, it's the, it's evil with a capital E that she's fighting. Not, not just a misguided boy. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Kylo as bad as he can be is, is the ultimate evil. And they were talking about it in the panel, right? How they, they had to fight the ultimate evil. And I don't see how that, even if he's not, if he doesn't turn good, Kylo's not the ultimate evil. Which was such a genius J.J. moment for him to drop fairly early into the panel that they're fighting the ultimate evil. And didn't you and I like turn and look at each other like, what? This movie, it's about this new generation and, and what they've inherited, the, the light and the dark, and asking the question as they face the greatest uh, evil, are they prepared, are they ready? And uh, it's been really incredible to look at this Thing that George created and to bring it to a, a close in this way about this new generation. It's like, wait, what, what are they talking about? Wait, did I hear that? I mean, let's think about Luke in The Last Jedi and think if he knew the whole time that Palpatine was out there, when did he figure that out, I wonder? Did he know that possibly Palpatine was behind Snoke, that this ultimate evil was out there? And I think like we were saying during Celebration, that Snoke basically was just another Count Dooku, another pawn to put out in front of a war, actually being controlled by a master Sith Lord. Did Luke, I mean, Luke says in The Last Jedi, like, the name Darth Sidious. At the height of their powers, they allowed Darth Sidious to rise, create the Empire, and wipe them out. He was a Jedi master who was responsible for the training and creation of Darth Vader. And a Jedi who saved him. You know, it was always like, oh, that's cool. Disney technology, the prequels. But it's like, well, no, for real. How did Luke know the name Darth Sidious? And did he know that he was out there this whole time? And Luke could not defeat Darth Sidious probably before. Luke didn't know the power he had until possibly the end of The Last Jedi. And in Return the Jedi, if Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader, wouldn't have picked up Palpatine and thrown him down that pit, Luke would have died. And the same thing could happen again. Yeah. Well, I almost wonder, too, if it's 
if that contributed to the whole um, the issue with Kylo and Luke in the flashbacks that you know everyone wonders whoa why what would he have seen in Kylo's mind to make him turn the lightsaber on maybe that's where he kind of realized that that Sidious was involved that there is the the taint of Palpatine in Kylo's mind and that uh, that's what drew him over pushed him over the edge. It wasn't just that Snoke had been talking to him. It's that it was Palpatine. Well, and you, you think, too, if Palpatine were still out there, of course he would want Ben Solo. Ben Solo is the the Sith, the dark side user that he could never have. There's no Padme pulling Ben to the light. He's already mad at his parents. It's not like Shmi. He's his second chance at Anakin and potentially maybe stronger than Anakin. And it's an interesting way to go about instead of going right in to, you know, to have him be your apprentice, he kind of softened him up with Snoke. Even Snoke says, you know, he's got that mighty Skywalker blood. And we always wonder too, it was like, well, how does Snoke know so much about like Darth Vader and all this stuff? Well, now we know. I hope that one day we get a comic book or something, Palpatine and Snoke, how they met like a coffee shop. Maybe they were Facebook friends for a long time or something, followed each other on Instagram or something weird. And they're like, oh, we've got to actually meet up. And then they hung out and they're like, we're best friends. Eating ice cream together. Riding a bicycle built for two around around Naboo. But it has to be a bicycle built for three because Snoke takes up like two seats worth because he's like nine feet tall. Maybe he's riding a giant bike and Palpatine's in the basket. They're like, I'm all old and wrinkled and weird. You're all old and wrinkled and weird. We're best friends. What if we do get Palpatine back in the flesh and for some reason he's like Snoke size? (laughs) How do you make Palpatine even better when you bring him back? Just make him giant. See, I want him to be like a a skeleton with yellow eyes with a robe on. That would be good. Hey, maybe there's the part in the trailer where there's like the the wolf man or the monkey man making Kylo's helmet. Maybe that's the chimpanzee version of Palpatine from Empire. It's the conclusion of nine <laughs> movies, not three movies, nine <laughs> movies, including the Empire Strikes Back chimpanzee eyes emperor. Yeah. JJ did his home work. All of the threads, all the threads are getting tied up at the end. <laughs> They're going to add time travel so all the different versions of all the movies make sense. They're all just different timelines. There's the monomix timeline, the international 70 millimeter timeline or something, the special edition timeline, Phantom Menace on VHS timeline. Attack of the Clones IMAX edition timeline. They cut everything out. Yeah. It, just, it all comes together in the end. You must understand I need you here, Luke. But it's a whole nother year. Look, it's only one more season. That's what she said when Biggs and Tank went. Where are you going? Well, I love, you know, like, like again, Luke saying, this is your fight, thousand generations, all that stuff, because Luke has come around and he has full faith in Rey as the future of the Force. Luke has listened to Yoda and realized that the greatest teacher has been failure, and Luke is now, you know, like he says at the end of Last Jedi, you know, I am not the Last Jedi. Like, this is the future. Ray. Rise of Skywalker just doubling down on that. It's like, yeah, yes. Yeah, in whatever form Skywalker ends up meaning or becoming, yes. <laughs> whatever. 
Yes, whatever they whatever they choose, whatever it is, it all will work. It all makes sense. I feel like the common perception now is that Skywalker possibly, probably is like the title. You know, you have in the prequel trilogy Sith, in the original trilogy Jedi, and now you have the conclusion to those two things, Skywalker. Like each one is a title. I just keep thinking that there's going to be that Ray's going to get her I'm a Jedi like my father before me part, but she's just going to say I'm a Skywalker and people are going to explode. I mean, but it's something we talked about this all through Celebration and we talked about it when we were over on um, Skywalking Through Neverland show. And we've been saying it for years now that the movies have always followed Lucas's life. When he, when George Lucas was involved in the films, he wrote from his own experiences and, you know, there's all this talk of J.J. consulted Lucas before writing episode nine. And there was talk that, you know, a lot of the things, including Palpatine, were always along the way from whatever George Lucas had going on from way back, you know, even before the Disney sale or whatever, when he was prepping this. But this character of Ray always existed. It existed way back in, you know, even before the Disney sale and when the... Um, the Lucas biography was at Skywalking, wasn't, wasn't I think that was the one it was where they talked about the sequel trilogy focusing on a, a, a young woman. Yeah, I think so. You're going to follow Lucas's life post Return of the Jedi. The most important thing to him was is his adopted children, and that to be a member of a family, you don't have to be of the same blood as them, or you don't have you know whether or not she's anyone's kid or anyone's parents. Ray is already officially forever connected to the Skywalker family and their legacy. She pretty much is a Skywalker already. That is her family. It's like Maz Kanata says, the, the belonging you seek is not behind you, it's ahead. She's found her family. She's found like her, her fate, and her fate is forever connected to the Skywalker saga. Right, because Star Wars is always, as, a, as an overarching story, is about family, and it's generally about the Skywalker family, but I think, yeah, the whole point of the sequel trilogy is that you don't have to be born into a family to be part of a family. And that is kind of always been true with Chewbacca's part of the family and Hans was part of the family before he married Leia to officially be part of the family. Leia was part of the family before we knew she actually was part of the family. Like it just makes sense to, as part of the sequel trilogy kind of, branching away that anyone anyone can have this power anyone can be a jedi and anyone could be a skywalker if they wanted to be and maybe raise more of a skywalker than kylo even though he's a skywalker by blood because she's embraced that family where kylo has like lor santeca was saying what does he say <laughs> he says the thing about i know where you came from what does he say i should remember this but i don't you know what i've come for i know where you come from before you called yourself Kylo Ren. The map to Skywalker. We know you found it. And now you're going to give it to the First Order. The First Order rose from the dark side. You did not. I'll show you the dark side. You may try. But you cannot deny the truth. That is your family. You are so right. So right from the beginning... It's, of course, about family. And in the end, Ray is the one who embraces the Skywalker family. 
Well, yeah, and I've got to think too with the, with the the decision to leave Leia into the film that you have to have her in the movie. She's vital to the story in whatever way that they're planning, and it's like it's awesome to think that you have to imagine that Leia is going to live to see what she created and what she spent her whole life fighting for probably finally win in the end the 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 destruction of what probably what's going to be a lifetime of war for her caused by one person basically but also i mean if you believe in some sort of ben solo redemption in in some way shape or form you've got to think that's going to happen and tie into the title the rise of Skywalker that I, I I mean, at least I like to think that Ben can be redeemed and perhaps Han Solo's death and force awakens wasn't as meaningless as some people thought. And it was part of a greater story that I'm sure they had in mind for the characters. It doesn't feel like star Wars to have, Oh, this person's bad. This person used to be good. Now they're bad. Now they're dead. That's, that's justice. Right. You have to be you. You basically have to be Palpatine to be unredeemable. He's the only one. Well, it's like JJ said, the ultimate evil, and Kylo Ren is not the ultimate evil. <laughs> yeah, maybe the ultimate loser, the ultimate weirdo, maybe, but not. It was a clunky title at first to say, but I think it's do it's doing all the right things, right? It's you think it's obvious what it means, but maybe it's not. Yeah, I've got to hand it to the uh, the Sky Talkers panel because that was the or it wasn't so much even the Sky Talkers panel right after the the, the episode nine thing as it was the Sky Talkers group therapy thing. But in <laughs> it really was group therapy where we all sat in there and we were all just like, okay, let's all discuss. <laughs> and the starbursts that they gave to all the people that came to their panel absolutely saved our lives at that moment. We were like, oh yes, starbursts. <laughs> I know what this taste is. <laughs> I I can get can center myself but in that panel like we were saying people were saying the rise of skywalker so many times that it was like oh okay this is the world we live in now the rise of skywalker world i don't know i don't even like thinking about the title though because it freaks me out yeah which you know good job for them because just the title spurs 20 minutes at least of discussion or contemplation every time you say it Oh, it could mean this. Oh, maybe it means that. Maybe when when Ray used to eat her little portion bread in her AT-AT, she called it Skywalker bread. And her favorite thing in the world is the rise of Skywalker because it tastes so yummy when she eats it. There were clues. That was the secret, yeah. JJ always giving you the clues. <laughs> At some point during the last fight, she's just going to need to jump just a little bit higher. So she throws a couple loaves of that bread on the floor, pours some water on them. and gets that just a little bit extra boost. I love watching it rise. And then she winks at the camera. <laughs> Credits go up really fast. That's right after Palpatine says, I'm headed with these Star Wars. You heard it here first. <laughs> So one of the other things we didn't get to talk about in our live from Celebration episode last week was on Monday, Monday morning, we went to the Phantom Menace panel 
which was, you know, <laughs> of course, before the panel started, we were back in Indianapolis again, it felt like, with the whole crowd singing along to Weird Al, hey, hey, this here Anakin guy, people swinging their lightsabers around. <laughs> so Yeah, well, and DJ Elliot just playing 90s music for a half an hour before it started to... <laughs> Which went from, hey, that's kind of cool, to, oh, I never want to hear that song again. <laughs> it was alternating because it was like, it felt like at times, like, the whole floor turned into, like, a dance party. When Especially when he played uh, the Beastie Boys Intergalactic. People were dancing around, but then, uh, yeah, it kind of killed the mood of, like, the offspring or something. Looking back now, what are your thoughts on the, the Phantom Menace panel? Because there was a lot of anticipation. Well, yeah, the first thing, I guess, is to... We all got spoiled by the 40th anniversary panel, which makes sense because it was the 40th anniversary of the saga as a whole. So they went all out and maybe assuming that they would have went that crazy just for the Phantom Menace, maybe wasn't quite reasonable. But yeah, the like we said, the fact that it even existed was amazing. And the first thing I noticed, which I might be crazy but I feel like they played like the QuickTime version of the trailer. It wasn't like a Blu-ray theatrical HD version of the original teaser trailer. I think it was like the one you would have downloaded in 1999 because it looked really, really pixelated. If they wanted to be really accurate, we should have waited four hours for it to load on the screen. But maybe it was just me having flashbacks but it was pretty awesome to see the the trailer again on the big screen and especially with the the callbacks to the rise of skywalker with the every saga has a beginning and ending stuff but it was fun it was it was it made sense the way they did it where it was half about some of the cast and half about the ilm crew because that movie was such a major turning point in the history of ilm maybe I mean, at least equivalent to the original Star Wars, if not maybe even more, because that movie basically set the tone and pace of visual effects to now, right? For 20 years, everything has been built off of Phantom Menace. Just being in a room with, what, 8,000 Phantom Menace fans? I, I never thought that would happen, <laughs> right? It was like we were excited enough at uh, Anaheim to just be in line with a theater full of people to watch Phantom Menace. So to, to be in a giant arena full of Phantom Menace fans was, was pretty cool. I don't know what, what, what stood out to you. I feel like it's the same curse sometimes for people with the films that they get too set on their expectations on what they think something's going to be. And then when it doesn't fit their dreams, they get disappointed. Like I think people thought, Oh, maybe Natalie Portman's going to come out or Ewan McGregor or all these like crazy things. Or, you know, I mean, we even talked about it. Like maybe Rick McCallum's going to show up, which started as a joke. And then it was like, well, maybe he really will. Or if any panel, you know, Lucas is going to be there, which maybe, maybe he was, but we'll get to that. But we had a Phantom Menace panel in a giant arena just celebrating the joy of episode one Ahmed best was there which we thought would never happen yeah because that's that's i think important to think about that yeah if you would have had if you know even let's say five years ago you had to pick who is the one person who probably would never be at celebration right it would probably be Ahmed best like i would almost think he would be the last person who would want to be 
on stage at a Phantom Menace anniversary panel. Even I feel like for us, even in like celebrations two and three in Indianapolis, there was no Ahmed Best there. And I think even we probably were just like, God, I, I really kind of wish he was here. And so the fact in 2019 that we can celebrate 20 years of the Phantom Menace with a crowd clapping on their feet and screaming. And when he comes out, gets the, the, the largest round of applause of all. I mean, it's like I was saying at the beginning of the episode. It's like between Ahmed Best and Kelly Marie Tran and the reception they got at Celebration Chicago, it's kind of a big thing saying, no, actually, Star Wars fans are pretty cool people. <laughs> yeah, Star Wars fans are all right. But yeah, it exists. The, the Phantom Menace panel happened, and it was loving, and it was informative, and it was fun, and it was funny. Uh, Ian McDermott was really funny. Got to see John Knoll on stage and Doug Chang. Yeah, and just as a side note, too, I have to say that the ILM guys are all so great about just being available to people like i feel like everywhere we went doug chang was just walking around talking to people signing things for people he had his two panels and i think either before or after them he would just stand outside and talk to people like it's just cool to see that as big as star wars is and and disney is and ilm as legendary as they are that those guys are still like they appreciate the attention and you know you can just walk up and talk to them it's no big deal and at the end of the panel, too, there was a heart-stopping moment where we got cell phone video footage of the one and only George Lucas <laughs> with, a, with a, a very special message to all the people there at the Phantom S panel. It looked like it was filmed in the back of a restaurant. You could hear dishes clanking around in the background. <laughs> Maybe he was at J.W. Rinsler's house and <laughs> somebody was doing the dishes in the back or something. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, if you like the movie, then good for you, then I love you, because it's my favorite movie. We got to do some stuff digital, but not everything. I'm still kind of mad about that. But it was it was shocking. It's like, oh, my God, George Lucas on a big screen telling us, telling that he loves these people. I don't care about anything else, though. Yeah, it was, I think it was even more perfect that it was like this this bootleg cell phone video. Like, it wasn't some glossy produced thing that they had ready to go like it looks like they filmed it maybe that morning or the night before they were like Come on, george you gotta hurry up and send that video we're still waiting for it but yeah just to hear him say if you're here you're the fans of episode one and i love each and every one of you it's like that's really a, <laughs> if george Lucas never does another interview or is ever on tv ever again this was this is the way to go out speaking the speaking the truth <laughs> all those years you know of having conversations with people and they're like well i only like the original trilogy and you're like oh well you know, i happen to like all of them you know it's all those many years of all of that being validated by the big gl I, george lucas never said he loved you <laughs> <laughs> he said he loved me <laughs> because i love the jjb jar jar is my favorite character so seal bibble too he's a good one one of the best things I ever came up with, the Bibble. I have a whole notebook just of backstory for Seal Bibble. It's called the Bibble Book. I didn't give that one to Disney. The Bibble Book is still mine. <laughs> In the tiny print at the bottom of the con of the contract, it was like, George Lucas remains sole owner of the Bibble Book. <laughs> you can't have the Bibble Book, Bob Iger. Don't even try and take it. This is outrageous. <laughs> it's outrageous. This is outrageous. So, yeah. Phantom Menace panel. It was perfect. Yeah, and now I want 
I think Amon Best has to come to every celebration because he just just him being there puts everybody on their best behavior. You know, there were all kinds of like smaller panels too that we went to that were fantastic at celebration. I mean, there was we got to give a shout out to twenty years of holiday special collecting in the the collectors room that. Answer like we said in our live from celebration episode. Answered the question, "What can you talk about for forty years of holiday special collecting?" They didn't even have enough time to cover all the stuff. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot more stuff than I had any imagining that it would be, and a lot of red snaggletooth. If you're a big red snaggletooth fan and you don't like the holiday special, I got news for you: you're in trouble. <laughs> The high point to me was the guy next to me who asked me, oh, is this about like Christmas toys and, and Christmas things? And I'm like, no, no, it's the holiday special. With He's like, the one with the Wookiees? I was like, yes. Well, I liked it at the beginning of the holiday special panel. They were like, okay, we're warning you. <laughs> we're going to be talking about the holiday special for an hour. There's the door. <laughs> Leave now. Nobody left. Oh, and I got to give a shout out too to I. It was on Saturday night, and I think it's one of the most fascinating panels I've ever been to at a Star Wars celebration. The tribute to Brian Daly and the radio dramas. I mean, I, we were interested in this from the get go. As soon as we heard about it, we were excited, and I'm so glad we actually went to it because it was just it was just incredible. There was a we learned a lot in that panel, and it was entertaining. Yeah, it's it's so nice that they've have kind of kept celebration the same as much as they're trying to, you know, stay with the times and maybe do lotteries instead of making people stand in line or the Star Wars show stage was huge this year, but they still have the these little panels in the in the Star Wars University or the fan stage or the podcast stage like the full range of Star Wars-ness was represented very well this time. Star Wars is this giant, colossal franchise, bigger than anyone could possibly imagine, but also these little panels that celebrate crazy fan activities like vegetable carving or paper-cutting art or the influence of Brian Daly on the saga. Keeping the little stuff alive is really great that they're still remembering to do that in the panel programming. And that night, Saturday night, right after we got the, the Brian Daly panel was the incredible collector swap meet as a celebration after hours. It was insane. As soon as you walk down the hallway and there's people just sitting on the floor, there was one person that was just giving out for free old Phantom Menace Taco Bell toys. What, what, what do you want? Do you want a Nimodian? Do you want little Annie? A Watto? Take your pick. I think they heard we were coming, so they had a uh, lot dot in the robot walking chair just waiting for me. <laughs> yes, I will take that off your hands. I got up there and I seriously had to decide between Watto, Little Annie, I think it was like a Darth Maul or something, and I ended up going with Little Annie because there was only one Little Annie left and I didn't want him to feel a little left out, but... But the collector swapped me as soon as we got in that room. It was bonkers. It was insane. You got probably the greatest Star Wars collectible of all time. Well, the swap me stuff's so great because you you have like serious collecting things like what unreleased figures and card backs and posters and really rare stuff. And then you have the really good stuff like I bought what an Attack of the Clones, a box that was a catered 
premiere of Attack of the Clones and everyone got food in a in a little cardboard box with an Attack of the Clones sticker on it and I bought that. <laughs> and my favorite thing is when you bought it the guy the vendor said to his friend next to him, "Hey, I sold that cardboard box." <laughs> yeah. It's like I sold that lunch box finally. <laughs> I was like, "Yep, you sold it to me." I bought uh an Indiana Jones uh fan fiction fanzine. <laughs> For 10 bucks with a pen and ink drawing of Indiana Jones and his father on it. <laughs> Anything and everything you love was represented at the swap meet, which was shoulder to shoulder people because that's where the that's where the fun begins. Yes. Celebration after hours. It's a, it's a certain sort of magic there. It's absolutely beautiful. And the, uh, the one thing i guess other than stuff we bought that that we were sad to see go was didn't somebody have a ticket from a theatrical screening of one of the ewok movies yes yes they did they sure did from, <laughs> i believe from the uk continuing the running theme of the ewok movies and the holiday special being a major presence at star wars celebration chicago the first night there somehow i figured out how i could get a an enamel teak pin as I'm racing across Celebration to find the vendor that had the, the swag of a teak pin. Uh, well, and we met that guy who had a teak t-shirt. Yes. Uh, and didn't he make that shirt? <laughs> like he printed it himself? Yeah. So Ewok love is is forever. Star Wars is forever. Ewok love is forever. And now Palpatine is forever. It's all good. I'm fully expecting in Anaheim. Well, you know, I know he said like a... A Mungo Baobab panel or something, but I think the time has finally come for Caravan of Courage Battle for Endor panels. I think we're I think we're getting there. I think Anaheim will be ready. I think so. Well, you know, I think that kind of ties in with uh, with another thing we noticed that you know we're Star Wars fans who are getting older, and there were plenty of Star Wars fans who are just at the beginning of their. Their journey of Star Wars love. There were a lot of little kids, a lot of younger people, and a lot of people from all over the world of all different colors. Like the old, the old Star Wars dudes are still there, but they're getting joined by tons and tons of new Star Wars fans who love it just as much as anyone. And it was really cool to see that. Yeah, Star Wars truly is forever at this point. It's not. It's not going to die off anytime soon. It's like the T-shirt that was being sold in the shop. I and mean, Star Wars is for everyone. If you, if you let it in, and if you, if you're not a jerk about it, there's there's something for the the old weirdos that love the holiday special and the Ewok movies. And there's you know there's something for fans of every age and every gender and yeah every color. And Star Wars is for everyone. And I think Celebration Chicago did a fantastic job of banging that drum really loud and clear for the world. Yeah, and just because there's something that maybe you didn't like, there's a new Star Wars fan who doesn't have any sort of, they don't have any baggage with the holiday special or the Ewok movies or whatever. It's just it's just more Star Wars stuff to them, and they're eating it up. So, yeah. Droids and Ewoks cartoon panels right around the corner. Let's do it. If Lucasfilm, we are available. <laughs> we we're terrified of the idea of Anaheim being next year. I really thought the the folks in Europe should should have the, another celebration, and I was kind of looking forward to watching one on the live stream from home again. But uh. yeah, it's like when it's international, it's easy to like. Well, maybe I I'll just wait for the next one. But Anaheim is just far enough and just close enough that oh man, 
We're available for that Battle for Endor panel. We we are available. We'll pencil. We'll write it in the schedule. Yeah. If you just need someone to hold the screen while you project stuff, we'll we'll each take a side. Luke Skywalker felt it. Ben Kenobi knew it. And Darth Vader feared it. It is the one power that lives within us all. Remember, the Force will be with you. Always. The Force is with you. The Force is back. Star Wars is back. Star Wars. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What's up? Uh, Kizuna Zioni here. Just want to say uh, Blast Points Rules. That's Thanks awesome. for watching. Thank you so much. And these Blast Points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial Stormtroopers are so precise. reviews apple podcasts when you're done listening if you go over there and if you write a little something about the show we will read it on an upcoming episode we love reading those we love hearing what you folks have to say and it helps the show too somehow too it helps people find it on when they look star wars podcast Ooh, what is blast points and don't forget to check out blastpointspodcast.com where Darth Field will never die. He is back. There's like 20 new Darth Field strips. You got to go check it out. It's crazy. You'll love it. Um, and we were lucky enough to run into Misuse the Forks herself, Kathy, at Celebration. And she assures us that more recipes are on their way. And if you haven't tried Mountain Dewback cupcakes, you're missing out. Mountain Dewback cupcakes and s'moreoffs were the official hit of the, the podcast party. They were the hit. They united the fan base. Everyone loved them. People were singing about Mountain Dewback cupcakes. Thank you again, Kathy. And don't forget we to check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Sign up for the Facebook Super Chill Group. There's celebration, I think, is still going on in the Super Chill Group right now. It probably will be for another month because why why shouldn't it be? It's always celebration in the Blast Point Super Chill Group. Um, and if you like the show and you want to help us out and you want to get some extra episodes for your trouble, check out our Patreon. We should have a review of Avengers Endgame up really soon, plus some raw celebration f- tracks we had up there. And uh, check it out. And that about wraps up episode 167 here. We will be back next week with an all-new episode. It's going to be legit, folks. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> too legit, maybe. It could be too legit. You better be careful. I don't know. Yeah, we're going to hope that you won't quit after that episode. We'll see. All right, so on that note, thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you. 
it's about good and evil, but heroes, what makes a hero? What's friendship? What's the idea of sacrificing yourself for something larger? They're all really basic things. They say, well, you don't have to make a movie about that. It's very obvious, but it's actually not. It's not that obvious to a lot of people, unless you have somebody tell you every generation that this is what our country believes in. But this is what we believe in. You know, basically don't kill people and be compassionate and love people. And so that's basically all Star Wars is. May the force 